Uh, you guys are free to intro whenever. Well, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to episode three of the Porch Pod Fantasy Show. This is a little special one because we're actually doing it in person with each other, unlike the past two episodes. It is myself, Ryan. And to, to my right, we've got Lucas. Shalom. No, Jello. Oh, no, no, no Jello this No time. Jello? To- okay. no and then Jello. we've also got, and then as usual, we've got Rowan behind the mic, making oh, yeah. sure everything runs smoothly. What's up? What's up? Yeah, awesome. So we're just going to get right into it this time. We wanted to first start talking about some rookies that we really like this year. These are some players that are us ourselves were targeting during this rookie draft, whether or not we got them or not, but they're also in our eyes for potential trade targets as well. So we're going to, yeah, some really exciting guys. So I think we'll just kind of go back and forth. I'll have Lucas uh, start with his first guy, uh, LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, this guy I think is a little underrated coming from the University of Boulder at Colorado or University of Colorado at Boulder. Um, Very, very, you know, versatile player in the offense you know he he's taking snaps in the slot out wide you know taking direct handoffs in the backfield he can be used all over the field and I think this is a very underrated component of his game where defenses are going to have a nightmare mashing up with him because he can just play so many versatile roles I think uh one of the reasons he he was you know an early second round pick but uh the thing people are forgetting is he ran at the combine with torn core muscles so his um athletic numbers aren't quite what they are so i think that's why teams backed off a little bit but of him in the draft even though he was still just a very like great prospect to watch with uh making plays all over the field so i think even though um even though he's uh you know didn't test well at the combine. He, he, you know, people were expecting him to run that four three range. So, I think we could uh, see some very high octane plays coming from him in an uh, offense that really struggled to stretch the field vertically last year in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Exactly. I was just about to add in the fact that Lavisca Chanel can finally be the Swiss Army knife piece in the offense that the Jags haven't really had. In the past 10 years or so, from what I've seen, they've had big guys emerge, kind of like DJ Chark and Allen Robinson a couple of years ago, like Bortles, but they've never really had one of those players that can do it all. And I think LaVisca Chanel has the potential to be one of those guys. Oh, yeah. And I think he's, you know, stepped in, stepping into that number two role right away and just being put in a strong position to succeed along with Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, yeah. Gardner Minshew, up and coming quarterback. I like him a lot. Very good situation for LaVisca Chanel. All right, uh, next guy on our list, I want to talk a little bit about Denzel Mims, who uh, I didn't necessarily watch too much in college just because I didn't necessarily watch the Big 12 at all. But just going back and watching his film and everything, this guy is very much, in my opinion, an NFL-type wide receiver. Uh, He has one of the best landing spots out of any of the guys on being on the New York Jets because their wide receiver depth is basically nothing outside of Jamison Crowder at this point. So he can basically step in right away and have an impact uh, he's got a very prototypical wide receiver one build. He plays very physical. It's comparable to a DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, that's not the comparison, but his play style physicality-wise ranges around that. He also, uh, I looked up the stats. He had multiple 1,000-yard seasons in college with his best quarterback being Jarrett Stidham, who only played 10 games during his freshman year, and that wasn't even one of the seasons he had 1,000 yards. And so on average, he his senior season, he averaged about five catches for seven, eight and a half yards and almost a touchdown per game. So for fantasy purposes, that's around like 
was it like 14, 15 points or something, uh, depending on the catches, like yeah. anywhere from 14 to 16 points, depending on PPR. So he's putting up those kind of numbers in college, putting him with Sam Darnold, the quarterback, I think he can do pretty well. Cause there was also four out of those, uh, I think it was like 25% of the games he played senior year. He also had multiple touchdowns. So he's also a big red zone threat too. He's a tall guy, physical guy. You can kind of just throw him that back shoulder fade and he can just go and snag it. Yeah. I like him. You know, I think he's been, put in into that alpha role right away there's not a whole lot of competition so he can be one of those big day one producers that you know like an aj brown or dk bad calf where they're put in a position to succeed right away next cell year one i see that a lot for denzel mims the one th- thing that's slightly worrying for me is that he did slide a bit in the draft to the end of the second mm-hmm. when he was projected to be a little higher of a pick but this was such a talented wide receiver class you know other teams could have just liked a little like you know a guy like lavisca or T. Higgins just slightly little more, mm-hmm. even though they had him very high on their board. So I think he could be a, a very big steal for the Jets overall. Mm-hmm. I agree, too. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about some running backs now. Uh, Lucas wants to talk about his boy, JT, Jonathan Taylor. Oh, man. The, where do we start with this guy? Where do we start? Just get started with something. I think, I think it's his, his, his three 2,000-yard all-purpose seasons, the only running back in college football history to do so. I mean, that's something that, like, even the greats like Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders couldn't didn't accomplish that in their college careers. So I think you got to keep an eye out for uh, a young, talented running back who did that. Um, you know, I think his two biggest criticisms overall are that he fumbles the ball, which I feel he can with just better, you know, ball security. Yeah, he holds it a little bit like a DeMarco Murray, where he kind of holds it a little loose. Yeah, I know. But, like, I feel that with good fundamentals and just good coaching, you can fix that very easily. And the second thing was his involvement in the passing game, where he's not the best pass catcher, but in the senior season, he caught 26 balls on, I believe, 34 targets, which is overall a solid number. You know, I never expect him to be Christian McCaffrey, but I could see him, you know, three years down the line being more like Ezekiel Elliott in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily stellar, but a solid around pass catcher. Yeah, a guy you don't necessarily have to worry about like dropping easy passes or anything like that. I mean, the big thing for him, though, is year one is the competition with Marlon Mack and Nane Hines. Mm-hmm. But I think just the talent is going to win out. And, and, you know, like, you know, Alvin Kamara was such a talented back and he had Adrian Peterson and uh, uh, Mark Ingram to compete with. And then he just, you know, day one was getting those touches. So I don't see a huge issue where, you know, the, the talented players are just going to get on the field. And I feel that with uh, Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because the Colts also have a really good offensive line, too. And they run a power offensive scheme, which is yeah. perfectly tailored for his game. Hence his name being Taylor. <laughs> there you go. That was a terrible pun. It's okay. We'll move on. Uh, like next it. one, my, <laughs> the rook, uh, rookie running back I wanted to talk about. One of one of my bigger guys on my draft board that I didn't get to snag, but I have been trying to trade for is Zach Moss, uh, running back out of Utah. Played all four years. Uh, he was one of the two or three players in this draft class that I've actually personally gotten to see play live because I'm a University of Oregon grad. For people who don't know, so I've seen almost majority of Pac-12 games for the past four years. And Zach Moss has been the real deal for all those years. He's been the power horse back for that team. Utah has had a little bit of ups and downs, but when they've been on their ups, he's been a huge key part of that. Uh, and also the fact that I love his landing spot on the Buffalo Bills because the only other competition he have is Devin Singletary, who is a kind of a similar player. They're of similar builds, like Zach Moss is like 
five nine two twenty singletary's like five seven like two oh five so he has a little bit more size on him but i honestly i honestly do think that zach moss is better built to be a 30 down back than singletary i feel like singletary is a little bit more of a change of pace um but some other stats i wanted to bring up about zach moss too for why i think he could take that starting role is his senior season he only had two out of 13 games i believe where he rushed for under 80 yards uh on his 235 carries he broke 89 tackles so that is breaking a tackle on 38% of all carries, which is a ridiculously high rate. And then Lucas just happened to mention Kamara earlier, but his vision and balance, the way he runs, reminds me a lot of an Alvin Kamara type player. And so in the same thing, he I think he had the similar numbers in the passing game as a Jonathan Taylor. So he might just be, uh, he might not be the same receiving back, but at the same time, uh, Buffalo is not really trying to do the receiving back game. They're just trying to run the ball as much as possible. Because I think for the past five years, they've been a top five rushing attempts team. Um, my one concern, though, for Zach Moss is is him landing on the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen. How is he going to get touchdowns with Josh Allen just running it in every play into the end zone? Because because he takes I, th- a I, I think Josh Allen's rushing touchdown numbers will go down a little bit now that he has two running two young capable running backs to get in the end zone. Because Zach Moss, even only being five nine two twenty five, he can he can run you over as I mentioned with the breaking tackles thing. So I feel like he's a guy he can definitely push his way into the end zone. So I could see where the skepticism is, but I'm a little bit more on the I think he'll do better side of the things. Yeah, because Josh Allen last year, I I don't think Devin Singletary or Frank Gore got a lot of rushing touchdowns just because he'd just take the ball and run it and when the when they got in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean so also- that's where my worry the Bills did trade for Stefan Diggs, and I feel like they have a lot of intention to use him. And I mm-hmm. think they want to take Josh Allen out of that run game a little bit more and try to emphasize the passing game a little bit to You're utilize right. their very talented backfield that they have. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for, for him to actually get some opportunity to run, get, definitely get some rushing touchdowns for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then also uh, 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 Cole, because he's also here with us, just told me that uh, Buffalo is actually only seventh in the league in rushing. Uh, is it attempts or yardage? Uh, yardage. Yardage for over the yardage past five years. Yard per game, yeah. But that's still top ten in the league, though. Yeah. So that's still good rushing efficiency. There we go. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So all about that on Zach Moss. Really like him. And then the last rookie that I personally wanted to talk about, I didn't have as many talking points about him just because I couldn't necessarily find too much. But KJ Hamler. He's a guy that I really like as a speed threat for the Denver Broncos because being in the AFC East with the Chiefs, you kind of need to have that speed demon to compete in order for that division. And KJ Hamler is definitely that guy. He might not be the same type of player as a Tyreek Hill. He's got similar speed, but he's one of those guys where don't be surprised if in like the first two, three weeks of the season, he's returning punt returns and kick returns for touchdowns because he's just that kind of a game changer. Um, Yeah, I like him a lot. I don't think he's necessarily a strong year one candidate, mm-hmm. but I think you know year two, year three you could see a huge breakout year for him with the him developing along Drew Locke, Jerry Judy, and Cortland Sutton overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely much more of he for this season in Dynasty is much more of a bench stash, yeah. hoping to break out in the next two to three years. Mm-hmm. Oh, hoping he gets that sixty yard touchdown for you if you have to put him in your lineup. He's exactly has boomer bust potential in my yeah. opinion. There you go. Yeah, so just a little last thing on Zach Moss. So that's all the rookies that we want to discuss. Uh, we're going to move on to the next other topic, and we just wanted to talk in just general dynasty trade talks, just topics that we think need to be talked about for other people in dynasty leagues that they might not think about themselves. And so we're going to start off with right after rookie drafts, first-rounders not being valued enough. Oh, well, in our league, they've gone criminally low like this year. 
our good friend Cole here. He traded uh, Justin Jefferson. Or he traded away DeAndre Swift, who's you know going at 105, 106, 107 in most rookie drafts, for Justin Jefferson and a 2021 first. And, uh, and mm-hmm. what you know, and he also did a trade for Joe Burrow for KJ Hamler in a 2021 first. When he picks Joe Burrow in the second round, where it's like. People are they're looking at the short term. How can I improve my roster? Mm-hmm. And not thinking long term about their team sometimes. So you really got to know when to hang on to those rookie first round picks overall. Exactly, because the thing is too, the top tier of any rookie draft is going to come out of that first round. So if you put yourself in a position to to get out of it, even though you're just trying to fight for right now, that could end up screwing over your future, the future value of your team. Um, the one thing I will say though is ah. Uh, I'm personally trying to sell 2021 rookie picks just because of the uncertainty overall with the um, college football season this year. Yeah, this is definitely will be an outlier season for rookies yeah. and rookie drafts for sure. Just because we don't know if they're even going to have a season, and then that could like if they don't have a season, does a guy like Trevor Lawrence want to even come out? Mm-hmm. Or you know, so there's just too much uncertainty with the value of those picks. So those picks, I feel. If I'm rebuilding, I'm necessarily going to try and trade out 2021 and move back into like 2022, just to like wait out Corona, basically. Yeah, try 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 to avoid any extra headaches for yeah, your team. Just hedging mm-hmm. the risks overall there. Exactly. All right. Next thing is trading away 28-ish old players for younger talent. Yeah. Um, basically, you know, players only live for so long. <laughs> not <all> live. <laughs> wow, way to go real morbid there, real fast. <laughs> they're they're not dying at for thirty, so although their production might seem to die they're, off they're like, older they a lot of a lot of players. Their production will drop off, except for you know the Larry Fitzgeralds and the Julio Joneses of the world. They will, you know, yeah. keep their production more going. so for running backs and wide receivers in production, and especially and especially in running backs, yeah. which is just such a physically brutal position. So it's like when when players start getting twenty eight you know, 27, it's time to be more active on the trade market with them just so you can move them to a new team for a good value. Uh, I target win now teams more because they don't care about as age much if they're chasing a championship mm-hmm. so that they can get, they can, they'll, they'll, they'll sacrifice value for the future for the, the production this year. Yeah, like like one of those guys that people have been talking about, like Adam Thielen is one of those guys that fits in that category perfectly. Yeah. Where he's just starting to reach that twenty nine age thirty barrier. He's still the number one wide receiver on his team, but there's some people that think, oh, maybe he's only got a year or two left. I should trade him away now. Some people, like myself, think he's got another good four or five years. So it's it all just kind of depends. For for me, the the one I know this is going to be a bit controversial is uh, Michael Thomas, who's twenty seven years old, mm, mm-hmm. and he's only been in the league for three years. So, um, I just think it's it's like he's an older guy. Yes, he's an elite, great talent, but his he's at peak value right now. He just came off an amazing season, almost MVP. His historically great season. Historically great season at the wide receiver position, and uh, we don't know how long Drew Brees is going to be in New Orleans for. So I think it's time to just ship him off and well, get. Well, you know, what would you look for in return to try to trade and sell? Michael Thomas. Um, like, what are you looking for in return? Are you, are you trying to target like a younger wide receiver, or just picks, or like what? It it, what would you it do? depends on your team and and your running back core. I would look for young, talented running backs. You know, I would personally like you know go for like uh, 
like uh, like a DeAndre Swift and uh, like Kenny Galladay pair for Michael Thomas, something like that along those lines, where it's like I might downgrade my receiver a little bit, but I can get solid depth just because I think Michael Thomas is uh, he's just a little little too too old for my liking, but. And I think he, he is, his value is only going to decline in, in years to come. Yeah, as long as Drew Brees is on there, he'll be fine. But once Drew Brees leaves, if Taysom Hill ends up being the guy that he is, then maybe his value won't Taysom diminish. Taysom Hill's already 30. Taysom Hill is not... not oh, Taysom Hill's already 30? Yeah. What? <laughs> well, he did go to BYU, so that makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, no, yeah. wow. He's, he's, he's not the, the quarterback future of, of this team. He's just going to be this nice little gadget player for them. Well, okay, Definitely. you guys are talking about age a lot and trading Michael Thomas because he's old. Yeah. Michael Thomas is 27 years old right now. Kenny Galladay is 26. He's... Yeah, but like, you're is, that, also is, that, is that one is that one age difference? But like, it's it's not that. It's also that you're getting DeAndre Swift, who I'm pretty sure is 21, 22 years old, and that's you know going to be a solid six to eight years of of RB production there. Yeah, I think I think what Lucas was trying to say is you have such a high amount of value on your team in the wide receiver position with Michael Thomas, and he just wants you to try to lesser that wide receiver value to increase the value of another position on your team yeah. that you need. I, I, I think, get that's when, when you're trading Michael Thomas, I think that's what you should go for. Yeah, it's it, it's it's not a hard sell just because you know the short-term production is there, but I think it's like his, his, his overall value is not going to improve in the next two to three years a lot, so I think it's time to think about moving him for a, a big handful, albeit of, of goods. Not not just like, oh, I need to get him off my team, but it's more of a, a slow sell process. Exactly, yeah. So basically just try to sell those, t- if you have one of those guys, 28-ish plus, try to sell them for just more overall depth on your team. It's basically what we're going for. Yeah. All right. Next point is basically just knowing the difference between when you're competing for a championship and when you're uh, tanking for a higher draft pick. Because the one thing in fantasy football you don't want to be is the 8-8 eight and eight guy because it doesn't gain you anything. It doesn't get you a higher draft pick, and it also doesn't increase your chance of potentially winning either. So if you have a shot to win, you need to go for it and potentially be one of those guys where you trade for one of those 28-ish older players who you know is still producing right now to try to get that championship and then maybe trade away some of that younger talent. Or if you just know your season is just going down the gutter and you just are not even going to attempt, then just try to just tank and try to get that first overall pick because there's nothing else you should do in that situation. For, for me, for our personal Dynasty League, I think this is something that uh, we're entering year two that teams have not quite figured out. Because I feel most teams in the league are feel like they can win now and don't know like if they are still like trying to, you know, some teams that should sell some of their more valuable assets for, for future picks and future younger talent. They're, they're trying to hold on because if they, you know, if everything just goes right, they can get that win. Definitely, yeah. I was on the. I believe I was. I was one of those guys too, where I. I was. I was that sort of eight and eight guy mentality, where I was like, "Oh, my season's not going that well, but maybe if I just push a little bit harder, make that push." And that was just not the case. All I really needed to do was just kind of just, not in a sense, give up on the season, but just try to secure a higher draft pick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There we go. All um, right. Next well, one. Well, I was, oh, no, I was just going to say something? bring up a hypothetical situation. So, what if you're in the position that you have like Debo Samuel, who you're kind of uncertain on when he's going to start the year. And uh-huh. you also have Dalvin Cook, and you don't have what's his backup, Alexander Madison. Like, how would you feel about your team, just just with those those two players and the question marks? Like, would you be trying to sell one of them, or would you be trying to just patch it together and actually have a good year somehow? Like, just, like uh, I know it's limited information to work on, but with that situation set up, like, uh, what would you guys for, try for to me, do? 
Debo, I feel fine with. You know, he might have a slower start to the season, but like he's roughly supposed to come back around week one, and the cancellation of preseason means he's not going to miss a whole lot of, you know, game adjustment time with Jimmy G. He's also the most talented wide receiver on that team, yeah. so there's no reason why he wouldn't be putting up the top production wide receiver-wise. He, he might have a slow start, but um, Debo, I'm not trying to sell too hard just because he's so young and on such a good team. Um, Dalvin Cook, it's more of a situational thing. Uh, I don't think you can really sell now with just the uncertainty unless people are willing to still buy high on Dalvin. Yeah, only, only yeah. I was going to say only sell Dalvin Cook if you can get extra for him don't try to sell him at his like what you think is value try to get more because he is one of those top five running backs where if he does play it's like okay if he starts starts my team this week he'll he could potentially put up 20 25 points for for me i wouldn't necessarily try and trade for an alexander madison i'd more try and get like a because alexander madison if you don't have him right now you're not going to get him Mm -hmm. because he's like you know the alexander madison owner is going to see him as the starter in minnesota because Dalvin cook's holding out forever Mm -hmm. of course but we don't know. So I'd try and tra- trade for, like, if you need RB depth, a Chase Edmonds, um, you know, maybe a Anthony McFarland type of player. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like a backup that you could see emerging from the backfield as a starter, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess for me personally, I would try to I would try to stick it out with my team, with the Debo and Dalvin Cook and try to play it out. Because yeah. I, have, I have faith in both of those players if they were both to play. Mm-hmm. All right. To answer your question. Yeah, cool. Thank you. There you go. Awesome. All right. Uh, next thing is injured players and underperforming players can be really nice by lows. Um, yeah. For, for me, this ties into Christian Kirk, a guy who I bought from Ryan this mm-hmm. offseason. He's a young, very talented guy. Um, Post DeAndre Hopkins trade, that look on him is a lot different than pre DeAndre Hopkins, where, oh, he's not going to see a huge, you know, target share. He's going to, you know, be the, he is going to be the number two, but in that offense, but I think people are devaluing him right now, particularly because of the, the news of DeAndre Hopkins. They think he's going to, you know, eclipse the sun for him in offense that tends to spread the ball around a little more. Mm-hmm. I think you need to, like, know people's buy windows and, and, you know, find the value where you can, like, a guy like uh, another guy, example would be like Darius Geis, where you can buy him now. And, you know, midway through the season, you could flip him for two first rounders or something. Mm-hmm. You know, because just because of the improvement in performance, because that's how you're going to truly um, improve your roster is by finding players and then have them think of them like a stock, and when they grow, sell them mm-hmm. for a profit. Exactly. Yeah, I was I was also going to use Darius guys as my example, so I, you, you perfectly summed that up. And it also kind of correlates into the next point we have on our list is trying to buy players that are more profitable than other players, which is basically just trying to trade for a player that doesn't necessarily have a super high price tag. Like you wouldn't want to trade for a guy like a Saquon just because you would have to trade basically half your team to get him. But guys that we have on this list, like Raheem Monster, Darius Geis, even guys like a Devontae Parker who I traded for or a Juju who didn't necessarily have the most value because they're a little bit inconsistent, but they have players that have potential to be yeah. top 20 in their position my, my, my thing is it's more it's more the upside you know like mm-hmm. you want to find players that you might be drafting and you know let's say in a startup dance you draft the sixth seven eighth round but in a year oh you're drafting them in the first second third round you want to find those guys where there's values there's going to be a huge jump in their value 
Exactly, yeah. Which is also kind of a guessing game because at the yeah. at all points, everyone has their own personal preferences on which players they think are going to break out. So just try to do your best to try to scout on different teams to mm-hmm. see which players have good situations and which players you think are going to break out. Like oh. for me, that's why I traded for Devontae Parker because he was a guy, he was injury yeah. prone, was on a very crappy Dolphins team for years and then eventually just this past season just like finally broke out out of nowhere and there's plenty of people who reasonably think it could have been a fluke season I'm of the impression where I like where the production was I think he finally reached his potential and he has Ryan Fitzpatrick and a potential two in the future so for me he was a perfect player in that position where I was like he might not be super high right now but he could he could he could definitely jump the projected ADP for for me tying into the Devontae Parker point is uh I like buying players who had a very strong second half, and that was Devontae Parker. Mm-hmm. You know, he had 800 yards in the second half, and I think like half his touchdowns or something. Yeah. Where, where I like people who finish the season strong because you know then they build off. They have something to build off into the next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we saw this guy with like Zach Ertz a few years. He wasn't quite breaking out, and then he had one season where he had it's like the number one tight end for the past or final four weeks of the season, mm-hmm. and then he broke into that top three range. So. You want to find players that finish the season strong, guys like you know Tyler Higby, Devonte Parker, because mm-hmm. then they, uh, I think they tend to more, trans bring it forward into the next season with them. Yeah, yeah also because stronger stronger second half of the season means better playoff performances because you don't want a player that peaks week one or two and then just doesn't even reach that same production or later on in the season because playoffs is what matters more important than the beginning of the season. Um, another point I'd like to make is uh, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy trying to trade, um, you know, Brashad Perriman for Devontae Adams. Don't send out those trade offers. You know, it, it, that, it's really that, annoying. Is that targeting someone? Uh, <laughs> Potentially. Par- partially, partially. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, like, no one no one wants those bottom-of-the-barrel players, and it's, it's, it's just annoying. You have to clean out your inbox from all these terrible offers you get. It's 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 just don't be that guy because then when you actually try and want to make a trade with someone, they they're gonna feel less incentivized because you're just disrespecting their players on their team. So, you know you know treat your your trade partners with some respect. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Cough right. cough. Cough cough. <laughs> <laughs> Intent, nudge nudge. Intent. I feel like right. we know who we're we talking about there. We definitely do. <laughs> All right. Next point is. Two for one trade deals, and the person who's usually getting the one player tends to get the better deal. Yeah, um, it's 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 a little bit of a different point than the Michael Thomas trade, but you usually want to be the, get the one getting the one because your overall, you you, you want to be getting a better starting lineup overall because even if you have a very strong bench, that doesn't mean you can start those players. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that tactic has really saved me from Sacco before. Absolutely so well, like Sacco. yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> trading up to, to get the, the better value you know even if you have to pay a little more for that you know top five wide receiver whoever mm-hmm. it may be that Chris Godwin or something it's it's better to be the the, the recipient of the higher end of the deal because mm-hmm. it's overall going to be um, going to give you a better starting lineup overall yeah like bringing it back to the point we mentioned earlier about the theoretical Kenny Galladay and DeAndre Swift for like a Michael Thomas type trade that's a, I mean, I, that's a little bit of a weird example to use, but in the sense where you're just trading a second tier wide receiver and like a maybe like a second tier running back for like a top tier wide receiver, like a top tier running back, it's definitely the better play because it is nice to have depth, but that's only in case of injuries. 
And a lot of times, yeah. like some season, maybe your team just doesn't really deal with injuries. And then that way, your starting lineup just isn't that good. But you have guys on your bench that are going off, and that just doesn't help you at all. Exactly. Um, and then as uh, less headaches to figure out who you need to start week to week. Mm-hmm. There we go. All right, and then I think the last point we just wanted to talk about is just trying to target bell cow running backs over top-tier wide receivers because in fantasy purposes, if your running back core is not good, your team will not be good. That is just definitive. You could have plenty of top-tier wide receivers on your team, but if you only have one RB2 on your team and then just a filler in for the next spot, you're not going to be winning games. Yeah, for me, the, the big thing is um, because bell cow running backs seem so much more volume, they tend to be more consistent week to week. Where they, they might score, you know, 13 points, then 18 points, then 15 points. While, while wide receivers, they might have, you know, uh, a great game and that they get, you know, five receptions for 80 yards. That's in standard or, or in half PPR like we play, that's only 10 and a half points. But then they might have a game, you know, where they go for 180 yards and two touchdowns on 10 receptions. And then they're like, you know, 27 points or whatever. Mm-hmm. So well, the, the boom bust. For me, for from wide receivers, I'd, I'd rather have the consistency of the bell cow running backs, and just I think it's gonna make you win more more week to week. Yeah, it's also it's also less of a. Um, I was thinking of a word I couldn't I couldn't quite remember the word, but it's basically you're much more secure knowing having that bell cow running back because they're for sure going to be getting those touches per game. Whereas the passing game can be varied week to week depending on the game plan. You don't necessarily know if they're going to be getting the same amount of target shares they were the week before. But for running backs, it'll be consistent. It'll be more consistent. Yeah, and especially going in 2020, we're seeing less alpha wide receivers in the league that are going to have those you know, 30 to 35% target shares. The NFL as a whole is, is turning more towards uh, a spread passing offense where guys where they might have like two to three guys that are going to have 20 to 25% target shares. But no one's going to have that huge 35% target share. So with the work spread out more on average, it's going to be well, the, there's going to be more variance in, mm-hmm. in the low volume players. So, well, the, the, the bell cows are still going to see high volume. Yeah. So just try to trade for those big running backs if you can and trade away some of those wide receivers that you might be a little bit if you're on. But uh, as for our talking points, that's all we really wanted to go over for today. Uh, yeah. I had yeah. actually one last thing to run. I Ooh, just go for it. Go um, for it. How would you even facilitate a trade? Or actually, no. Let me let me just rephrase this. How how far in terms of like picks and like years? How far do you think we should be able to trade picks? Because right now we're only at one year in our league. We can only trade one year ahead in picks. Do you think you should be able to trade for like two or three or even four, maybe? I I personally I personally like two. Mm-hmm. I don't right, think too. it should be too far ahead in the far ahead in the future where you can't, you know, you're you're just not thinking at that point. And you're three years down the line, oh, your team's bad and you want to leave the league. Yeah, because theoretically, you could be like, yeah, I'll trade you my like 2023, 20, 2024, 2025 20, first round picks for like a Dalvin Cook or like a Zeke or something like that. And I feel like that would just be kind of dumb because then you're trading away players that won't even be in the league for the next three four years for a current player right now so that's why i personally like the idea of having only be like one potential i like one even two would probably be the most i would go for me too i I like the the ability to to trade in and trade out of draft classes Mm -hmm. because if you don't like the draft class overall as a whole you you can you know still find value the year later and trade out of it to, to get compensation for it yeah 
Okay. Definitely. Yeah. So we would our definitive answer would be two years in advance. I feel like is the right amount. Okay. Yeah, because I Mostly recently for... I recently saw a trade. Uh, I think it was on Reddit. I saw somewhere someone had traded four first round picks, like two second rounders, and a player for just Christian McCaffrey. Um, and I thought yeah. that, that was, you know, a little excessive, but. If it was someone who already had like a top five running back and already was like a playoff team last year and they just wanted to push themselves over the edge. Yeah, because you're basically investing all your capital into Christian McCaffrey, which is not a bad thing because I, as a Panthers fan, love my boy CMC. I've got a signed jersey and everything. For, for me, I do that trade if I had like Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, just because th- those two players alone are going to be scoring, you know, like 60, 70 points week to week. So mm-hmm. might as yeah. well. Yeah, I don't know if I would go six draft picks and a player for one of them, but a multiple first and a player and like like and as added maybe a second too, I could totally see that. I think teams will can get a little people can get a little too short sighted, so I think you should mm-hmm. have a limit on how many future draft picks you can trade away. Definitely. All right. Yeah, I was that was all I was thinking about really. Very awesome. Well, if that's the last point, then I think we can just finish it up for now. Call it. A- yeah. Call it a day. This is the, yeah. Yeah. Yep. This is a quick Call little half-hour episode. Not too bad. Not too shabby. Thank you guys. Exactly. Appreciate everything you've of done. Of course. Great work mm-hmm. as usual. It was um, fun. I enjoyed doing this in person. This definitely flow-wise felt a lot better too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot more. Uh, a lot better. Definitely. All right. Well then, until next time. Later, porch pods. Adios. See you later.